Hello and welcome to Limitless. I'm Jonathan Gruber, and I want to tell you why Limitless is not an IT podcast. Being digital is about strategy and organization, of course, but truth be told, it's mostly about the people. So the people on our show are digital leaders that know what really matters when it comes to a digital transformation and the hurdles you need to overcome to really transform. And we also talk to a top athlete who knows what it really takes to overcome hurdles, both literal and figurative. Today's show is all about organizing winning leadership, and my guest is master organizer Ingo Pass, the CIO of the government-owned Swedish transport company Green Cargo. Hello, Ingo. Hello, it's good being with you guys. And also on the line from Stockholm is Patrick Hermansson, a senior consultant at Anderson MacIver and also the leader of the Nordic office. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Jonathan. And our regular source of sporty inspiration, Jeroen Otter, the national coach of the Dutch short track speed skating team and a world champion himself, has sent along a personal message to Ingo. From Anderson MacIver, this is Limitless. So, Ingo, your Green Cargo CIO, it says here it's a Swedish railway company. What makes Green Cargo green? Basically, because we are running electrical trains and they can travel 300 times the distance of the road freight, uh, in fact, uh, for, for the same level of carbon emissions. And that's quite uh, fantastic. And it's, the, it's, it's a nearly zero climate impact uh, when running electric trains compared with uh, freight on the road. Yeah, but, you know, like all trains are electric these days. How is it greener than green? It's greener than green in the very near future because we're making now investments into the fleet and, and that's all giving us uh, another uh, great um, advantage and also investing into the technology. And, and what exactly is it that you do there? I'm working at Green Cargo as the uh, CIO and joined the company uh, in September 2019, about 15 months ago. Okay, and when you say that you're there as the CIO, that means what? I'm supporting a really challenging business turnaround um, initiative, um, and we are focusing a lot on digital and IT transformation. Um, we're, we're developing the company straightforward into the future, implementing agile stuff and also leading edge uh, forefront technologies and platform strategies in the cloud. So it's uh, really cool. And Patrick, as the, the rep from this podcast parent, Anderson MacGyver, you're kind of my, my co-host, right? Yeah, that's correct. And, and you actually work in their Stockholm office. I mean, what do you do there? I uh, work at the Stockholm office and I'm heading, uh, I'm heading the region, the, the Nordic region of Anderson MacGyver. And yeah. uh, did you actually know Ingo before all of this? Well, I I, I didn't six months ago, uh, but we uh, we both participated in uh, in a webinar organized by a local platform uh, uh, vendor, and uh, Ingo had a really interesting intervention there. And and uh, and after that, we uh, we have had quite a few uh, knowledge sharing sessions. So I think that yeah, I'm starting to get to to know you, Ingo. Now, yeah. now this podcast is is about the challenges you need to overcome to digitally transform an organization. And so, Ingo, um, we asked you to bring a bit of audio you feel typifies an important moment in your digital transformation and kept you going when the odds were against you. Let's have a listen. Everybody is bobbing their heads. 
<laughs> so we all know the song, right? I think we all know it. Yes. So why Pharrell Williams is happy, Ingo? Why this song? The, the song is about me. The song is about my life, and it's basically, you know, what it's all about. And and uh, I think, you know, there's nothing that could describe me better than probably this song. Why is that? Yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm going through very difficult situations, I've actually have been through those in my life. Very, very difficult situations, and uh, I've, 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 I think I've, I, I grew out of those situations, being even more happier than before. Yeah. For example, my son, uh, who was born uh, severely handicapped about 18 years ago, um, was really uh, a situation I wasn't prepared for, and as uh, he's unable to communicate, to speak, uh, to do things on his own. Um, he needs 100% dedication, uh, people around him all the time. And, and there was a, an event that was heartbreaking at a level very difficult to describe. And, and I grew out of it. Very, very happy. I think I'm, uh, I'm more happier than before. What's your son's name? My son's name is Fabian. Um, and, and he has a twin brother, Julian. So we have twins and both are fantastic. And I think if you look at Fabian, I think he's the most happiest people in the world. And probably it's, it's, <laughs> he got some genes from, from me. Wow. Yes. So this is going to sound like a very peculiar question, but how has having a severely handicapped child affected the way that you work? I think it made me better um, because he helped me to be better. Um, and I learned to, to make very difficult decisions. You know, I think I also learned to, to take uh, responsibility and understood what it really means. Um, it's very different to what you call responsibility when you work. Uh, and then also learned how to deal with crisis and risk. And, and I think I also learned to never give up. And I never stop when I'm committed myself to something really important. Um, I, I learned a lot, I would say. And then that you're different as a result of that. Like you, you, when you say you never give up, you weren't like that before, and now you are. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I was like that before, but I think it wasn't really that clear to me. And I, I think I wasn't really that much committed myself because I, I, I actually tried to escape or go some situation. I, I never do that again. And I can tell you a story. I changed about 10,000 diapers. Uh, I, I calculated on this one. And I love <laughs> every new diaper to change. And you know what? Uh, because he's doing better after that. Huh. Right? Yeah, it's, you know, do that calculation. It's quite heavy, but you know, that's that's where we are, and um, I love that. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's going to take another twenty years. So. Wow. Well, this show is called Organizing Winning Leadership, and that's where our top sportsman comes in, gentlemen. Please, your attention to short track champion and coach of the Dutch national speed skating team, Jeroen Otter, with this personal message to Ingo. <laughs> Hi Ingo, this is Jeroen Otter, coach of the Dutch Olympic short track team. In the last episode, I kicked up with an adage, in a competitive world, being the best means beating the best. And so much is happening right now in the world, economically, socially, financially, politically. And therefore, we feel a huge impact on the community we live and operate in. It is so easy to get sidetracked, but the goals you did set should always be the beacon on the horizon. And therefore, I like to add sports avarism. Keep your eyes on the price. You really need to keep your eyes on the price. How can we create a feeling that we're doing the meaningful work, that the choices and program that have been made actually make sense? 
Motivation and inspiration are two important indicators in this. Incentives could be of a great importance for the former, but hardly present for the latter. So I like to know where your motivation and your inspiration comes from. When I put performance and arousal in a graph, it shows to be an inverted U, meaning you need a certain amount of arousal to get your best performance. Music can definitely help in up or downsizing the perfect arousal you need for fine-tuning the setting to perform best. If I want to involve my colleagues or sportsmen in the work, the majority of the time I ask them, what do you want? I hardly reverse the question in, what do you not want to do anymore? And that might be an eye-opener and shows definitely a different approach to me. It always seems a challenge to get everybody on the same track. And I don't think there's a difference between sports or corporates. The Tappers and Listener study by PhD Liz Newton, she made it very clear how hard it is to deal with the, like she calls it, the curse of knowledge. I made sure I took all my ideas and transformed them in a way that all my staff members and athletes understood clearly what I wanted them to do with my sport. It seems to me that your approach is out of the ordinary and therefore the following fits you best. It is the same boiling water that softens the potatoes and hardens the eggs. It all comes down to what you're made of and not the circumstances. Good luck with the interview. Jeroen Otter. Ingo, this was directed at you. Um, Did any of the challenges Jeroen faced and also those solutions, did these things ring true in your own career? I think, first of all, impressive, you know, what Jerome has achieved in life. And uh, when you when you follow his track record, that's amazing. And, and I think what, what he said is, is actually based on um, many, many years of experience and, and, and great success of giving people a chance to think bigger than they are and bigger what the things around them are. And then I think the message I got is that, you know, uh, you need to get the people to find their journey, uh, and they need to have that kind of winning. And, and sports performance is very similar to business performance. Uh, I, I do agree, and I, I really love your words, Sean. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, but uh, did you ever have to, to quote, you know, soften the potatoes and harden the eggs in your work? <clears throat> It's, 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 I think it's a very good question. I, I can give you, I can give you two examples. You know, you know, boiling water is a constant, right? Yeah. And in my life, um, the constant is my son. It will never change, right? But but for me, that situation made me to grow. By while others may find this to be overwhelming and 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 very very difficult to deal with. So I'm I'm growing with my son. That's not the same situation for everyone. So I decided to be the egg. <laughs> I can I can give you I can give you another one. Uh, okay, right? yeah, and, go ahead. But but I became but I'm becoming soft over time. So maybe I'm changing to become a potato. But you know both are, are there for a reason. Um, the, the other example on the job, you know, I'm going back to, to my job at Ericsson many, many, many years ago. And, 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 and boiling water there was the situation having 700 million euros of inventories in the global supply chain. A lot of money, 700 million euros. <clears throat> and the potato idea was, you know, let's kill the obsolete inventories because that's what we can do so well, you know. And there were many people loving to kill the obsolete inventories. And I said, maybe we should find the egg in the boiling water. And, and then my idea was, let's build a global optimization process to not build up obsolete materials anymore. Get rid of the problem. And, and we did it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, you know, we were in the same boiling water, but we had a completely different view. 
Right. Okay. And um, in preparation for this for this interview, this is moving on to a slightly but also semi-related topic. In preparation for this interview, I watched a number of keynote speeches you give, you know, all over the world. There's quite a few of them out there. And you often bring up your love for Silicon Valley risk takers. And yet, here you are working for a government-owned railway company. Sounds not particularly risky. So why are you there? You got me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, great question. I I love that one. I love that one. You know, and I think, uh, yes, I'm a risk taker and I'm I'm smiling now. uh, Yes, you you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, most of the time people repeat, you know, what they did before rather than finding a new way. They don't take risk of making a change. Um, And I really do appreciate uncertainty, but also no risk associated to this kind of uncertainty. I love to be out there without knowing where to go, without knowing how to sort, and never done that before. That's risk for me. It's not It's not just, you know, doing the same things you've done and done and then and again and again and again. So it isn't, it, it, there is an element of risk to what you do? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think I learned taking risk when <clears throat> making bold decisions, especially into uncertainty. And, and when there was no guarantee for success or someone who could tell you how to get it done, and risk-averse behavior, you know, over time, is leading to uh, decisions that really help um, uh, the companies to stay on a certain level of performance. But, you know, if you really take this kind of risk into the future, you can make a change. And oh. you can find the future. Well, for example, like, what's the biggest challenge you've had to face working there? The very biggest, the number one, where you think to yourself, okay, here's a mountain, let's climb. When I joined the company, the biggest hill I needed to climb was uh, to to make a decision just right up in the beginning to to do a major change uh, to the strategy, um, and and then that was that was a change to to a program that the company started uh, tried to start up in in I think in about 15 years and never really made it, and uh, I came in with a completely different perspective. So they've been doing something for 15 years. They've been trying to do it, try, 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 and they just couldn't do it. And then you popped into the company and you said to them, what? I said, you know, I think we all have to start asking a different question um, and not talk so much about the how. Let's talk about the why. And there was no good answer to the why. And when we started discussing the why, we found out that the motivation was probably wrong. Let's talk about the infamous mainframe replacement. Yeah, we talk about it. Okay, good. So let's uh, let's talk about it. So you walked into the middle of this thing, right? People were trying to get this thing done for fifteen years. Is that correct? Yeah, fifteen years plus. It's thirteen, fifteen doesn't make any difference. <laughs> and then you walk into the middle of this thing, and then and they were like, "Yeah, Ingo, mainframe replacement. <laughs> let's get this done." And you said, "No." and it you know and look 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 this is a very serious thing you know um, we can love now but you know when i was in that situation i was that committed to the company uh, starting a new job after seven weeks we had a discussion with the board of directors and i recommended to start uh, asking a different question and, and and the question was why do we want to replace the system and then we found out it was an it problem and then i said Okay, if that's an IT problem, I can take care of that. Um, why don't we uh, instead uh, try to develop the company and use the money for something better? Yeah, I said simply, trust me, because I'm gonna fix it. If you let me run and replacing, uh, not replacing the mainframe and investing instead, the same for the SAP platform. I'm gonna make these platforms to work for many, many years to come. 
And of course, everybody was like, yes, that's great, Inga. We've only been working on this for 15 years. We'll get right on that. That's exactly we what they said, out. right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. It was, that was kind of contradiction. Eh? But, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to take care of the IT problem, uh, but I want to be part of that journey and invest into the business and help to develop the company, not, not solving IT problems for many years to come, investing hundreds of millions into this program. It was, it was not so difficult. And then I was, I was actually asking the question, you know, how, how, how do you think that the mainframe will take us down? And I said, no, how many ex other incidents did we have? And, and there was no good answer to it. And I said, yeah, why do you want to change it then? I simply said, let's make it stable, get it under control, and then we take over responsibility. And from there, uh, we can run the system and the SAP platform for many years to come. But in, in the meantime, we will invest into the future of the company and develop the company like we've never done before. Did anybody try to stop you? No, I think they said yes, and then we did it. The, the interesting thing here is when we came to the question if anyone wants to stop me, yeah, there were some consultants actually making a presentation four months before I joined the company and presented a new case how to uh, replace those two systems. And I said, you know, you guys might have really good experience, a good case, but it's not what I want, want to do. And I don't share your view, so um, I will, I'm going to do it different. Patrick, can I get you in on this? What do you think about this yeah. story? I mean, does this ever go like this normally? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm also, I mean, I've heard the story before um, in the preparation also for this podcast. And I'm really impressed and, and inspired by, by your courage, uh, Ingo. So, but can, can you please, uh, I mean, how did that discussion go? Because how did you... You just make that shift from, you know, 15 years of planning uh, for changing the mainframe and the SAP platform to just, you know, decide not doing that. How was the discussion going on in the boardroom or with the management team? Could you could you uh, develop a bit on that? Yeah, I, of course, I don't want to share any, any secrets or details, <laughs> right? But, you know, of course. No, that's okay. I, I, you can, can share them. Nobody's listening. <laughs> We have a great CEO, and and you know when we were discussing this up front, uh, he was uh, he was he was prepared for 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 running a program, and and we we could find out uh, very soon that this wasn't a good idea for the company. So when I was then at the presentation and talking to the uh, board of directors, I said. You know, I don't have these kind of fancy PowerPoint slides like McKinsey, and, and they were part, part of these uh, initiatives, and that's a good company. I said, I don't have all of these facts, but I'm standing here and taking responsibility, and, and I, I do everything I can to get this to work, and you can trust me. And um, are, you, are you happy with that answer, Patrick? Did that satisfy you? Yeah, I am happy with that question, but but I I really think that this is where you Inga stick out a bit because you're you're not only a manager or IT director or CIO. I think you're a leader in this digital transformation because that uh, it takes some courage to uh, to be that that confident in a way because you from the beginning you were also telling that you didn't know how you didn't know the how but no. you were sure about the why again. Yeah, that's true, and 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 you know, I think you always have to start your strategies with with the question: you know, Why? What do we want to do with this? And then when you sort this one out, you you look into the how. And the last thing you do is you define the what. Most people start with the what, and and the what in this case was to replace the mainframe and replace the SAP platform, and 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 that's far away from the why. Um, so, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> you know, you can't win gold medals. Um, 
if you if you if you start at the, the wrong end and you start buying the best shoes. Um. Yeah, right. Because those those those, uh, those assignments or those those projects takes up enormous amount of time and money, right? Changing the mainframe and, and, and the SAP platform. So then you basically don't have time and, and, and resources to do anything else, right? Yeah, exactly. That would have been the case. And we, we have some some railway companies in Europe actually uh, who've gone through this. Um, they spent eight years on replacing these systems. Um, we decided to not do that. And and instead, the, the funny thing is, you know, when when I when I talk to my people in the in the IT organization and, and the business, they all knew that it wasn't a good idea to replace the system. And they all were happy when we finally yeah. said we won't do it. So so what did you do in, instead of replacing the system? The first thing is we trans we, we did transformation or change in, in who was supporting the mainframe. Uh, we moved it from India back to to Stockholm. We got people involved who knew the system who were actually part of building it 40 years ago. Uh, and now they are taking responsibility on the system. And on the SAP platform, we did 25 improvement initiatives to get the system uh, under control, and, and that's where we are. So today's show is all about organizing winning leadership. What, Ingo, is the single most important thing you learned about leading an organization and organizations are people to success? <laughs> you know, there are so many answers to this question, but if there's one thing that is single most important for me, that's about telling stories. And, and you know, telling stories as a leader is, is the most convincing thing you can do. If you can build trust with an organization, if you can build trust with people, and if, if you can get everyone on board aligned to the idea, the vision, and then you sort out how to fix it, and then you make the plan and people execute on it, that's where the story actually brings a huge change to the organization. Can you give me an example? Yeah, of course. I think the, I think the, the we, we, we can, we can uh, leave Green Cargo and we go back to the situation I described at Ericsson. Uh, when, when we were really good in, in, in uh, going back to the inventory problem and, and you know, taking care of the inventories, uh, and the heroes were, were were coming back and said, "I killed another five million. I killed another ten million in the inventory." So that's good stuff. Uh, but but we said, you know, we learned from Dell and from their supply chain and their initiative, you know, that you can do these things different. So so why why don't we just look at a global optimization program? And you know, and when we created that story, we talked about uh, uh, it and 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 explained the future that was very different to what we were looking into. And that was giving us the opportunity to, to get people engaging into these initiatives and, and, and finding out what that really means. And, and, and storytelling is something that, that really uh, gives you the confidence uh, for yourself, for the team uh, and the organization. When you say storytelling, that's right up my alley because I teach. I'm actually a journalist and I teach narrative journalism, so I'm all about storytelling. And when I say to people, because this is journalism, right, it's all about facts, <laughs> I say, what's the difference between that and regular news? you know, five W's in an H news, I say the difference is, is you take a fact and you tie an emotion to that fact, and that's why people care. That's what makes people understand what matters is because they've attached an emotion to an idea or to a fact. Is this what you're trying to say? There's a lot of emotion when I'm telling stories, I can tell you, yes. And it's, you know, and it's also about heroes, you know, don't be the hero of the story make other people becoming the heroes. You know, I think like Jerome said, you know, um, and what he, what he was going through all the years when, when he was building up great teams and great individuals, athletes performing on, on world-class level, th that's what you, you want to see, people engaging in the story and growing with it. And, and that's where 
you actually feel this. It's emotional. It's really true. It's really, um, I think, the key, the essence of it. Are you saying make an emotional investment in building up the people around you in an organization? That's what you mean? Yes, of course. And you do this not because of you playing a role. Um, you actually do this because of you know you believe in your story uh, and 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 when you're authentic and when you when you actually bring your story across you, you get this feeling that there will be people around you who love this and 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 i think you only said one thing stop doing things um i asked one of my my people and uh, and said you know are you happy with what you get from india and it's not about india right it's not be, about the culture be, because they people. were outsourcing to india when you yeah, were exactly, at uh, yeah. yes. uh, and you I asked said, people are you, are you happy with that yeah yeah, and he said no. And I said, why do you still do it? Yeah, because no one told me to change. And I said, you know, why can't you make that decision? Yeah, I'm not empowered to make this decision. But I said, if you want to change it, what is it you want to change? Stop buying stuff from India then. And I said, good, then we do it. Six months later, we did it in Stockholm. Right, you know. <laughs> so he was he was from this moment on. I think he 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 really was um, engaged in the story. From Anderson MacGyver, this is Limitless. Believe it or not, guys, we're sort of moving very slowly towards the end here. Um, so this podcast, as you know, is called Limitless. So what I want you to do now before we close off is I want you to think big. Think beyond your company. Think about where IT and digital are taking us. What big change to work and to society do you see coming? One big thing. And this is to both of you, by the way. First, Ingo. Yeah, of course. Okay, good. good, good. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay. About let's, two minutes. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's split this in, in two, uh, three small sections. Then. So, so number one, I think the, the most important thing is not just the technology. Things like uh, AI, deep learning, and uh, natural language processing and these kind of uh, things. Things that are making the world now changing a lot. But, you know... I think uh, what we need to look into is, you know, the way how we can grow with it, the technology around us. And now you should ask me the question, how? How? <laughs> That's a good question. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think look, 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 look at look at where we are as a society, as individuals. I know that whatever we do in 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 IT and in, in in the digital transformation that we are running at Green Cargo. Uh, is things that weren't done before. So, so that means as an individual, as teams, as organizations, as societies, you have to be into learning. Never stop learning. And, and, and if you don't know what you should learn today, I have two examples that you can take with me. You know, um, learn about Google's DeepMind uh, AI uh, deep learning breakthrough. You know, they predicted now the protein structures with an accuracy um, uh, that is mind blowing, and 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 that was the first time that this was 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 done digitally. If you don't know what it is, you just learn about it, right? Learn about it, yeah, because you don't know. You should never stop learning. That's my message. That stuff's my jam, indeed. And 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 Patrick, um, we're also coming right to the end of the show. As we end here, what are your big takeaways? Well, um, I think that. Again, Ingo, thank you for 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 being here and for, for sharing. My my takeaway is, um, I would say that you're really, uh, I mean, you're you you're a sharing person. You share your uh, some of your private stories about your son, etc. And 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 I really take away 
uh, one thing there where, where I personally I'm going to try to be <laughs> better because you know also as a father of three when something happens to your children that's devastating that's that's the worst thing and and how you can really grow from that um, be a better person even better examples for your kids and for employees and and, and whoever that is also some always something that you can improve on so I'm, I'm gonna work on that and 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 I really like the thing uh, uh, around the storytelling as well because I do think that we are all more or less intelligent people and we need to know the why if we know the why we will follow um, and, and the leader definitely has something something um, a big part of that if you know the why we will follow I really like that that's a good moment Great. to end on everyone and that is it for this episode of Limitless. Can you believe it? Uh, today's guest was Ingo Pass, the evangelical CIO of Sweden's Green Cargo. Our man from Anderson MacGyver was Patrick Hermansson. And our sportsman is champ and Dutch national short track team coach Jeroen Otter. Limitless is a podcast from Anderson MacGyver. To learn more, go to our website, andersonmacgyver.com. Don't forget to share and rate our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Thank so you Jonathan. I'm Jonathan Gruber. This was Limitless, and may your day be without limits. <laughs>